That is the question. And then the reason I'm asking it is because so many people ask us, they ask you all of the time. I wish we could knock it on their head, but maybe we can provide some information here which people can reference when they, when they do come up with that question themselves, uh, which is how can you do open pit mining under a lake? So without further ado, give me the answer. And Jeff, before before you kind of get into the, in the te technical response there, I'm interested in teams who've been there and done it before. So have you done it before? Where have you done it before? And tell us a little bit about, you know, the challenges you face there and what you can what you can take from that back into Springpole. Yeah, thank you, uh, Dan and, and Matthew. Uh, absolutely, this, uh, you know, type of work is is done. It has been done before. Um, in in numerous locations uh, across across the world, including several locations in Canada, um, northern Canada um, is a particularly challenging environment to work in from its remoteness and connectivity to the rest of the world. Um, however, demonstrated sites uh, such as the Dybic Diamond Mine with with multiple uh, open pits and dikes, as well as Gauchukwai. Uh, Metal Bank uh, are great examples where our team, uh, myself at the, at the Divic Diamond Mine, and Steve Lines, our Vice President of Environment Communities, has been involved in all three of those projects from a engineering and construction project management perspective. In my case, and with Steve as our uh, as a as a regulator as well as a proponent on on the other two projects so i think there's great precedent within uh northern canada for um open pit mining under a lake and the key is building a dike and the dike to hold back the lake and once you've got the, the lake held back with a well-engineered properly designed dike then you can commission your open pit mine um, the nice thing about open pit mining under a lake is the pre-strip generally is easier. Um, it comes out by pumping. Okay, but, but tell me, if, maybe Dan, I'm going to address this at you, right? Because I, I, I know some of the examples um, given there were, were, was uh, with Rio, right, where Jeff worked, you know, and the, and the, 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 team, the team had the experience for, with Rio. Rio, big balance sheet, big budgets. They can go off and, like, you know, do, do things like this. Why do you feel that you or whoever may come along and acquire you um, will be so inclined to spend that money to get at this, um, you know, get, get, at, you know get, get at the commodities uh, via an open pit mine?
Okay, so so tell me this then. Obviously, you know, I referenced there, you know, Rio Tinto, big budgets, big balance sheet, you know, cash available to to build these things. Time is other is the other kind of destroyer of, of value. So those projects, you know, Diavik, Meadowbank, and uh, Gatchaque, are how, how long did they take to build versus how long in terms of the dike construction? How long did that take versus you know what you're trying to do, Dan? Yeah, thank you. So the the shorter answer is it, it you know at at uh, Springfall we're talking about months um, versus you know Divic was you, you know over a year and a half, Meadowbank was you know onwards of two years, Gauchakoy was onwards of two years. We're talking about you know less than six months of construction activity at Springfall. We have two you know relatively short dikes that. Uh, aren't particularly deep, um, that we can construct from both sides. And, and so the construction sequencing is so simplified because you can access from both sides. Um, we just feel very, very confident that the construction, we, we, we're, we're hoping to get it into that sort of four to five months range, but it, it'll certainly be Less than six, right? And so, help me just understand. It's, it's, it's got to be slightly more complicated than just shoveling ore into the into the lake in a, in, a, in whatever shape configuration you've you've lined up for yourself. So, how how does it maintain its integrity? How does it not fall apart? How does it not cause ecological disaster? I mean, Jeff, I'll probably throw that at you. I suspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so there's a lot of engineering that goes into making sure that the zonation of the of the dike construction is proper and that proper zonation needs to ensure that it matches with the foundation conditions upon which you upon which you're building what type of impervious element are you considering in the construction to ensure that that zoned graded material that you're pushing into the water will actually stay in place where you put it you know when you put it there and and Geotechnical engineers do this for, you know, dams in, in all kinds of environments, um, as well as, you know, in the open pit mining world that we're in. So it, it's not a challenge. It hasn't been reconciled previously. It's been going on for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Right. But, and again, so again, maybe Jeff, I'm going to stick with you for a second here, is... Okay, with regards to um, how how you do that 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 zoning, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of engineering e- in that. But how? What questions have you had to answer in terms of um, making sure that um, you've kind of got local social license to you know go about doing this, and you've got the permits necessary to to do this? Because you're going to be putting stuff into water. How do, how do, how do you ensure that it's safe? You're not putting things into the water that shouldn't be there. I'm talking chemi- chemically, uh, specifically. Yeah. yeah. So throughout the characterization, early characterization work. So we have started uh, back in, you know, starting in 2005, some of the early proponents of the Springfield project and first mining gold came along and we've done, you know, multiple drilling campaigns, testing campaigns um, to get samples of the rock which we'll be working with to create the graded zonation materials that we'll push into the into the water. 
and and that includes geochemical characterization of those rocks and those materials and that characterization we we break it into uh nag and peg type of rock and and uh, nag referring to non-acid generating rock and peg referring to potentially acid generated rock in addition to that we determine um, the rock to be uh, um, geomechanically stable so it won't break down with uh, with time so making sure that the rock is, is strong enough to withstand the forces of the water the ice the dam construction and and make sure that the geomechanical nature of the material will withstand the forces that it's expected to over time so it's it's very well characterized site at spring pool uh, multiple years of, of campaigns of, of collecting good samples representative samples of how the of the materials that will be used to construct the uh, the dikes Right, so which, which is fine. You, you've got to work that out because you want to know the economics, right? That's going to impact on the economics. Thing. I, I, I want, and I want to kind of stay in and around the, 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 that topic in the sense that remediation at the at the end game, right? So I mean, this is long life. It's a big, big project, the kind of stuff that attracts the, the majors and mid tiers. But at some point, someone's got to fix this thing up. So in terms of the way that you're going about mining, what are, what is going to be required from you or whoever actually? builds this thing out with regards to the, the tailings and the waste store and remediation at the end. Dan.
Right. And, and it's interesting to me what you said there about, you know, moving from your thoughts around the, around the PFS and they're evolving into, you know, it's a slight change. New, new data allows you to change your mind. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but is there, I'm intrigued what Jeff went through with, obviously with DFEG or Metabank, et cetera, you know, is it a case that when the water comes out and you, you know, more is revealed, do you, do your plans change? Do they evolve in terms of the, the, the design of the pit? Does that change? Or is it a case of you've already got enough information by the time you're actually, the dikes are up and you're, you're pumping water out that you know exactly what you're going to do. You stick to your plan. I mean, how does it evolve or does it evolve? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great question. And, and, you know, it's, 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 the answer is yes on both sides, you know, so clearly we want to have a level of characterization and understanding of what can we expect to happen, um, so that we can predict what might happen and we can respond accordingly as to the things that we don't maybe fully know are going to happen, how it's going to behave in particular, we have a model and we have an understanding how how the different scenarios might happen so that we can respond appropriately. Um, it's uh, in the geotechnical world, it's called the observational method. And that observational method is, is just a fundamental part of how we do the engineering and planning for a project like this. We need to have a solid amount of characterization and understanding of the materials and the work that we're doing so that we can predict what may or may not happen as we better understand when we start the mining and we take the water off and we start to see the behavior of all this material that we've opened up. You know, obviously a small little piece of drill core cannot fully give us the picture of what a large open pit's going to look like. And so as we mine that open pit, we start to see the rock more clearly than we see it through small drill core. And then we learn more. Yeah, well, well, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, and and Dan, back back to you here because this this why I'm talking is because we we can't like I say constantly get asked. It's impossible. This thing's under a lake. You know, we can't we can't get at it. It's 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 uh, all doom and gloom. But the reality is, you've given us examples of some of the companies already doing it and doing it in a, in a, in a much more complicated and, and and expansive way than than you are. Um, and Jeff's been there and done it, got the T-shirt, which was all good news. But when you're, Dan, when you're talking to the institutional guys, is do they simply look to those examples, um, you know, that we, we, we've talked about now and say, well, yeah, of course it's possible. I don't even think about it. I don't even go to seconds thought. I just need you to be clear that you're going to get through your kind of environmental uh, and permitting process. And I'm comfortable with that because, the question keeps getting asked. I know it must be frustrating um, in terms of re new retail coming in and with a, with a new thought being you can't mine under a lake. So who, who are you trying to address this to? Who needs to know this more than some?
I guess the only thing that I might add to that, uh, Dan, is, you know, in the in my experience, 25-plus years, projects all around the world, when you bake in the environmental and the social aspects of a project early on in the pre-feasibility and feasibility stages, you just inevitably get better solutions. And those better solutions lead to more economic solutions and everything goes better. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing in, in this process that we're following. We've got an immense amount of characterization work that's informing us from an environmental aspects perspective. It's informing us from a social aspects perspective. All around the water management componentry of this project is so important. But we understand that very, very well, and it's leading to better solutions. And And we just continue to look at those solutions and improve and make sure that we're covering those aspects fully. So, um, yeah, just, just a big and to everything you just said, Dan. <laughs> so we can mine under a lake. Absolutely.